0: Happy Tuesday, everybody! Great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. I hope your day is going really well. A lot coming up in just a few moments. We'll talk with Penn State men's ice hockey coach Guy Gidowski. They're allowed to start their season on November the 13th. So here today on October 13th, we're one month away from the start of the men's ice hockey season here at Penn State. Today's show is brought to you by our great friends at Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai great new inventory all over the lot Great pre-owned inventory as well that they go over and are as precise as possible with, so you're getting the best deal and the best vehicle possible. Outstanding service department, great sales staff, a lot of great deals right now. That's why sales have been so great throughout the course of this year. A lot of great deals. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf. Neil Kulong later in the show today, but first, Penn State men's ice hockey coach, Guy Godowski. Guy, Great to hear you again. Great to have you with us.
1: Hey, thank you very much, Steve. How are
2: you?
0: I'm doing really well, and it's great to hear your voice on the other end. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's been a while, yes. It's good to hear yours, too.
0: Well, let's uh, start with this. Uh, you now have a hockey team that knows there is a start date. Uh, just What does it do for the psyche of not just the players, but what does it do for the psyche of the coaching staff?
2: <laughs> you know, I'm pretty congruent for both, I, but you're right. Like, uh, I think everybody is working very hard, and obviously under – interesting circumstances i think the hardest worker is justin rogers our athletic trainer in making sure that we're doing absolutely everything we can to be as safe as possible for not only the student athletes but also you said the staff but when you finally have something a date to look forward to and it's not just some random random hope in the future i think it really it makes things real obviously it gives you a little bit of a hop in the step and it, it makes everybody uh, a little more sense of urgency. So, I, I mean, the, the the announcement was great for for the practices, it was great for the workouts, and it was great for the staff, as you mentioned. Uh,
0: there's another part. It's an interesting twist to the schedule. Uh, it's going to be you're going to face the other six conference teams, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. That makes up 24-year games, but then Arizona State, which by the way if they're gonna rack up freaking flyer miles i hope somebody gets credit for it but they're going to go to everybody and play them four times what were your th- what was your thoughts on that and how much does that help arizona state out
2: yeah there's a few things I actually really like it uh, for a number of reasons and first off they're they're a new program like we were and i remember programs being very generous and helpful to us to try get started and do what we doing what they can to help us so number one, I think it's the right thing for college hockey, but as you know, when you, you, you look at the conversations that go across the nation in, in all sports, not only hockey, but obviously this, you've been uh, aware and a part of many of them, is is a lot of it centers around the testing protocols and, and how to play non-conference games to make sure the testing protocols are the same. And, and I think them being a Power 5 institution makes it uh, work very well for the Big Ten. So for though I think it's great I think the fact that we get to even up have an even number of teams that we're competing against so you don't have to have bye weekends I think is really important because obviously the season's going to be shortened so you don't have a lot of a lot of weekends to play with so I think it's a win-win-win all around and and the last thing you mentioned is does it help you know Arizona State absolutely it does and I know they're extremely excited I know they try to play you know a lot of the best programs in the nation and and certainly they're going to get that with uh, the Big Ten
0: all right so uh hockey is used to a short ramp up in terms of training camp so what are you allowed to do right now and then when when are you allowed to ramp into a full training camp so you can get ready for a potential November 13th start
2: Yeah, you're right about that. So right now we're allowed to be on the ice. uh, We're allowed to be with the team, sorry, uh, about eight hours a week. And so we have to split that up between Cam Davidson, our strength coach, and the coaching staff that wants to be on the ice as well as meetings. So it's not a ton of time um, that you have with the team, specifically as a coaching staff. They are able in the past to be able to get on the ice themselves and to, to have voluntary workouts, but when when you're in this new age where you you know you've got to take your temperature and you got to schedule and you, you've got to you can only have so many people in the room, it makes things extremely difficult. So right now, uh, everything is sort of done in a lot of in smaller groups. And as it, if you look at every every individual student athlete, we can't be with them as a coaching staff, including. Our strength coach more than eight hours a week, and then we're going to ramp up to uh, a regular season twenty hours a week, and that's yet to be determined. But it looks like it's going to be towards the latter end of October.
0: Okay, all right, that that makes complete sense. But you're used to it, so it's that's it's actually how it normally works for you anyway. When you get that quick ramp up right at the end when you start, uh, let's get to a couple of uh, a couple of well before I get to a couple of players, the support you get inside of Pagula. Uh, Awesome may not be a strong enough word. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The roar zone, awesome is not a strong enough word. No. This is going to be one where, no matter where you are, generating your own juice. Is that something you feel you need to address or is it something that you just want to put to the side? How do you want to handle that part?
2: Steve, you're way ahead of me, because it's something that we've questioned each other as, as coaching staff, but we don't have an answer yet. Uh, but you're you're 100% right. I mean, if you look at our record uh, at Pagoula Ice Arena, we have one of the, the best records, uh, home records in all of NCAA hockey, if you going back five, six years now. Uh, and the Roar Zone is probably the biggest factor with that. Um, the, the community in, in in general has been awesome, but the the energy that they create the positive energy for us that they create has been just it's been great to play under i know it's extremely motivating for our players um so that's going to be new and and i gotta i'm not gonna lie to you we have we don't know how we're gonna dress it yet i think we're gonna have to fiddle with it a little bit and see exactly how we we don't know what it's like to play a game without such great support
0: exactly uh now now let's get the goal obviously peyton Jones. I mean, you knew he was there. <laughs> so, and if you wanted to play somebody else, you did. But uh, I want to start with Oscar Audio. Gave yeah. you four starts last year. Um, had a couple of shutouts, 1.87 goals against average. Uh, how do you feel about him moving forward as he now moves into his junior year?
2: Look, we feel great about him. I mean, it was actually really sort of extenuating circumstances that he came in a year earlier than he probably expected. And part of the reason was he did want to – learn from Peyton a little bit and at the time Chris Funky was here who's a a tremendous teammate like there was a lot of things that he picked up um you know to be quite honest we weren't sure what was going to happen with Peyton he had the opportunity to sign uh, NHL deals in the past and if he had the right deal he might have signed you know after his junior year as well as it turned out he was here for two years with Oscar so Oscar got a chance to learn from Peyton in terms of his work ethic and his detail like Peyton Jones is obviously a A phenomenal athlete, but the way he goes about his business is extremely committed to himself as an athlete, and I think it's great. It was great for Oscar to learn from. Now the thing is, you know, you talked about those games. He he actually holds the record for the longest shutout time in, in Penn State of any Penn State goalie. And in four of those games, it happened over four games, and two of those games happened to be against Michigan, where, where if you take Penn State out of the equation, you know, Michigan was the, the second. Uh, we were first, but they were the second highest scoring team in the Big Ten. So, so he's you know, we're excited about him. He's a great kid. He's an audio. We know Eric, his brother, <laughs> extremely well, was a great leader for us. So we could we're extremely excited about Oscar.
0: Out of Espoo, Finland, which is also the home of Chewbacca.
2: <laughs> I did not know that.
0: That is because Jonas Swatamo, who is now playing Chewbacca in the Star Wars series, played basketball for Penn State here, got his degree in three and a half years, and is from Espoo, Finland. So we can we can connect a lot Are of you dots. Serious?
2: I didn't know that. You gotta tell Oscar that.
0: He's gonna love it. But that's where Jonas is from. He's from Espoo. I had no idea. So I, so when you hear whatever noise Jonas wants to make as Chewbacca, that's Espoo, Finland and Penn State.
2: <laughs> you know what? I don't know what's going on there, but, boy, do they have some smart individuals because uh, Oscar's a phenomenal student. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so is his brother Eric, and obviously so is Arnie. I mean, man, they've got some intelligent people over
0: there. Yeah, no question about that. And uh, I want to get into that because you mentioned uh, Arnie along the way. Uh Chase McClain, because it groups in here, became the 13th player in your program to be drafted. In the entry draft that took place, he was the 7th round pick, 209 by the Nashville Predators. That gives you four current players on this team, Arnie being one, Clayton Phillips, Kevin Wall. Uh, What does that tell everybody out there about what you're doing on the recruiting and development end? I know obviously Chase is obviously a freshman, but others are being developed here.
2: Well, you know what we look for the best fit for Penn State and, and sometimes like honestly I think uh, it's great that these guys are drafted I, I think it's awesome I I really look forward to the class that we just lost that just graduated a number of them signed NHL deals and, and we're really looking forward to see their success at the National League level and yeah that's something we really want it's something uh, that that as this program is still very young obviously as we grow and and develop, we want to see more and more of those alumni. Uh, but when it comes down to it, we we do get the best players as great fits for Penn State hockey, whether they're drafted or not. But it's really nice. And in, in in Chase's uh, in Case, who got drafted yesterday, I mean, he's a guy that really plays the right way. Like he was just a great fit for us. So just the way he plays, he's he's so committed. He's just hardworking. Like the fans here are gonna love him. Um, he's he's a bit of a, he's like a, a Ricky de, a cross between Ricky Derosa and, and Pav with a ton of skill. Like he's just he's got a great mentality. The fans are going to love him. I think what matters to us is his fit for Penn State. But but to have NHL teams look at these guys and and, and look at their potential and think they're going to be great for them, I think that's good as well.
0: well I mentioned in that uh, about Clayton uh, Phillips. Now he's back there, Paul Naples. and then you got a guy like Evan Bell. Evan Bell was plus ten for you last year. Uh, on, on that defensive back line for you. How do you feel about that group that's going to be playing in front of somebody like Oscar Audio?
2: You know what? Obviously, when you talk about NHL guys, uh, Cole Holtz, who is the MVP yep. of the Big Ten, is a great defenseman, and we're going to miss him, and we love him. But I tell you what, I think Paul DeNaples deserves, and I, I think Cole Holtz would be the first one to say this, too, uh, deserves a ton of the credit uh, for Cole's season. Uh, I really believe that, and I know Cole does. And and now you're going to get a guy. Maybe Clayton Phillips is going to play with Paul. We'll see what happens. We've got a lot of candidates. But we feel really good about it, and not only because of guys like Paul and Clayton and Steve-O and Bell, guys coming back, but we've got two freshman defensemen in Christian Berger, who's a brother of uh, another Mm -hmm. great student and great leader in Chase, uh, coming here, as well as Jimmy Dowd. Who, who are guys that, you know, if you talk to Coach Fisher, Coach Lindsay, I mean, we're getting to the, the part now, the point now, where we're really picking pieces of puzzle. We're not just saying, hey, let's try a couple of good players. He's a good player. We're really we, – we know what makes us successful. We know what we need. And these are two defensemen that really fit our style. So from a from a whole standpoint, we feel really good about it.
0: And I've talked about a young player in Chase McClain who hasn't taken officially time on the ice for you yet, but now a veteran in Alex Lomoges. Yeah. And another veteran Stan, Sam Sternsheim Sam had, Sam had four power play goals last year Limoges had 11 and 3 on the power play last year what kind of leadership can they give you up front
2: yeah it's interesting I mean you mentioned Sammy Sammy's an interesting guy not only had four I think he had 12 to lead to tie to lead the team I think in overall goals. Yes. I mean, he is a pure goal scorer he really is uh, it, it's interesting he's good friends with, with Mac Bennett actually from, from the lacrosse team and uh uh, um, I'm, I'm really—he's—he's a, he's a goal scorer as well. I—I'm—I'm I'm excited uh, to see him put his game all together. And and with Limo, you know, he's—he's he's one of the the classiest, most humble, uh, great leaders that I've ever been around. And he's a guy that that also led the nation in scoring and uh, he's a guy that I think everybody's aware of. Not or sorry, Mac O'Keefe, I said Bennett, another guy, that another you know. lacrosse player, but Mac O'Keefe, you know, a great goal scorer for the lacrosse team is a similar similar mentality to Sam, but get back to Limo, like the guy's just special. He's he's just a special guy number one. And then he's a great player number two and, and, and to lead the nation in scoring is not is not an accident. That just that just doesn't happen. He's got all the skills and the mentality and I think with all of that, the thing I like best about him is just he's just so obvious for the team and just such a humble, great leader to be around. So, yeah, I mean, as far as putting pucks in the net, those aren't certainly aren't the only two, but they're they're guys that we certainly are going to look to.
0: Yeah, Sam. In fact, and Mac O'Keefe played in the same little league team together uh, growing up in Sayoset, uh, New York. So,
2: the little team, which sport? Uh, baseball, in ba- Okay, because yeah. I, I don't know. I think Sammy played a little bit of lacrosse as well. I don't know if Mac yeah. played hockey. I'm not sure.
0: Not sure if Mac did or not, but I know they played little league baseball together. And yeah. and Sam will tell you he's better, and Mac will tell you he was better. And it's <laughs> really really neat. <laughs> uh, what will be for you once you get to a camp? What what will be at the top of your priority list? What do you want to get to first?
2: Well, we've, we're we're able to uh, to work a little bit here on systems, and what we didn't mention when you started the start of it, like how guys we ramp up pretty quickly. But one of the essential things I think in the past, were when you would have captains practices, and we've always had tremendous leadership that was able to do a great a great job with the guys while the coaches weren't around, they were able to have that ice time. As I mentioned with with what's you know with COVID and 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 the difficulty and and the because you have to go in groups, et cetera. There are none. there is none of that. So a lot of the work was done by the captain, to be honest with you. And, and so what we want to get through first is, is just to really shore down all the basic habits and the identity of the team. And as I mentioned, a lot of that was actually done in the past through the, through the leadership and the captains that really understood what, what Penn State hockey is all about. So because we don't have that aspect of it, that, that's going to be our first point.
0: Guy, always a pleasure. Appreciate it very much. Can't wait for the 13th uh, to see hockey one more time. Uh, Even though the fans won't be able to get there, we'll be able to listen to it on the Penn State Sports Network and watch as often as we can in other venues. Okay?
2: Hey, Steve, I really appreciate you having me on, and it's great to talk to you.
0: Penn State men's ice hockey coach, Guy Godowski. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070, WKOK. Neil Cowan coming up later in the show today. Our thanks to Guy Godowski for the time he gave us. A month away from the start of hockey season on the 13th of November. 24 games in the Big Ten, and then four others for each team at the Big Ten against Arizona State, which will rack up frequent flyer miles. Not playing at home and playing at Big Ten schools. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. More coming up in the next half hour. Don't forget Thursday we have our high school football roundtable. We're up to week six. Ceilings grow back on track. Suit hasn't said touchdown shikalemi where it draws out like seven or eight minutes for weeks. Matt, that's not good.
3: No, it's not.
0: Unless you're rooting for the opposing team. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, fourth rate in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors it's 11 and 15 enamels and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Those are the great product lines that they have now. Not only that, awesome pre owned inventory. Hey, maybe that's your, what you prefer. Maybe that's what your budget says you have to go. That's fine. They've got it. Great service department. Fabulous sales staff. Great deals right now. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street, in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, did I mention Dave Ritchie, the chief, is invaluable? Did I mention that? You have. You know, Greg Wetzel's invaluable. Zach you know, Zach Shower's invaluable. But, like, you take a week like this week, right, where in the past the suit has, or let's be honest, I would say has been disparaging toward the Jersey Shore program. <laughs> I mean, disparaging.
3: And their venue. And, yes,
0: being there. Walking in with the chief blunts that. That's what he has the ability to do. Um, I don't want to really say anything. Dave's there. Dave's a really nice guy. <laughs> you think I'm wrong here?
3: No. the The chief has even told me he keeps he keeps him in check.
0: He still. Sue was just complaining the other day that he didn't call any Shikolimi touchdowns last Friday night. I, I wanted to remind him that in August, we weren't sure he was going to be calling a play. All right. So, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's, yeah, the air, it's a little warmer today. It'll get crisp here next week. Uh, next week, we just talked hockey with Guy Gadowski, So let's just stay on that theme with Jonathan Bambouli of the Pittsburgh Tribune. Jonathan, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Yeah, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, at the uh, let's talk about some of the moves the Pens have made uh, through all this. I mean, it started. Sure. You know, I mean, um, uh, let's get to the Matt Murray part. Uh, they they made their decision as to what they wanted to do. Uh, why Jerry uh, over Murray?
1: Well, uh, money has something to do with it. I mean, uh, you know, Murray hasn't.
0: I'm shocked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, As it often does. Um you know, they're both restricted free agents. So and and Jari just signed for, you know, around three million and Murray's gonna get more than that. Um, you know, he he was traded to Ottawa as a restricted free agent. They're gonna work out a long term deal with him, I'd guess in the you know, five five million range, something like that. So with the the cap is 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 a big thing in the NHL this offseason because you know, it had be, been projected to go up and up and up each year, like it always tends to do. And then with the COVID and the lack of, like the utter lack of revenue in hockey, because a lot of hockey's revenue is tied to, you know, in-person attendance. No question, right? So they, what they did was they they froze the cap where it was, which is sort of artificial because I mean it's supposed to be based on a percentage of revenue, and the revenue is way down. But they froze it where it is. So TMs were banking on having more money than they'd had. So they had to sort of take a step back and, you know, make cuts where you can. So the difference in $2 million between Jari and Murray in a regular year, that might not be that much of a difference. But in a year like this, it's it's pretty significant. And the other thing that you have to take into consideration is uh, Murray just hasn't been that good the last couple of years.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it, that's a weird thing because, you know, a 24-year-old who won two Stanley Cups, and he was incredible in those Stanley Cup runs. And then to sort of just drop off like that in age 25 and 26, we don't generally see that, especially with goaltenders. I mean, goaltenders usually peak in their late 20s and and play well into their 30s. So it's a very odd tale of Matt Murray. I don't know exactly what went on there. Um, Maybe he just caught lightning in a bottle for a couple of years, and the Penguins are the beneficiaries because they have rings now because of it.
0: Right. Well, hey, look, he backstopped two Stanley Cup champs. So, I mean, in the end, he paid off for them. Why didn't Johnson work there
1: well basically i i think it's a i don't think johnson's going to work anywhere um in twenty twenty I think it's a style of play issue you know the the game changes and and um it's become such a speed game and such a skill game that you know, th- there was a time not that long ago where every team wanted to have several defensemen who would clear the crease, who were, you know, just big strong mean dudes. Exactly. And th- and th- and Johnson, I don't know how mean he is, but he's a big strong guy and he blocks shots. He's actually not mean, he's a nice guy, but anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. Um so the need for that sort of a player um is it's just decreasing. I mean, teams the way teams play defense now is to try to get the puck out of their defensive zone as fast as they can uh, and so that requires guys that are not you know big and physical but guys that are quick and can move the puck so you know i don't think eh, gms haven't completely made that transition you know i mean there's still and they shouldn't. I mean, you know, there's still guys, you have to be able to do a little bit of both in the modern game is what I'm saying in terms of being physical and being able to move the puck. And Johnson with the puck wasn't good. Um, and so, you know, I mean, look, you can use him as a as a sure. sixth defenseman who can kill penalties and you, you limit his ice time. But, you know, you sign him to a five-year deal paying three and a half million a year. That's not the right salary for a sixth defenseman who can kill penalties and you have to limit their ice time. So it was a combination of the salary not being a good fit for the, the role and also, you know, the game changing. And, and pitchers, I mean, pretty much, you know, at the front of that change. I mean, they've ne- they won those cups in 16 and 17 without a whole lot of guys that you would call gritty or tough. Um and then that used to be, you know, everybody's calling card is you needed guys like that to win. And then those teams said, you know what, we don't really need team guys like that to win. We need guys that can score goals.
0: Yeah. Well, they re-signed Sam Lafferty to a two-year deal. What was your thoughts on that? The, the average salary, you're talking about money, I think it's like 750 for him. So what was your thoughts on him?
1: Well, the big deal for him is that the deal he got is a one-way. Um, which means that he gets that 750 whether he plays in the NHL or they send him to Wilkes-Barre. Right. And and for young guys coming off their first contract into their second contract, like that's the gold standard. That's yes, what you want. So you want that yeah. one-way deal. Yeah. So he's guaranteed that money. Um so good for him. Um also like he fits with what they're trying to do. Um his, his greatest attribute is skating and he's he's disruptive on the forecheck. You know, um when they have the the training camp leading up to the, to the bubble. So that would have been in July, I guess yes. and it was a pretty, it was a pretty long camp and they, you know, they, they isolated and it was like the whole month The the coaching staff love Lafferty. They they thought he was like the best player in that camp um, because he's just got young legs and he can really skate. And he had a, he had a really good rookie year and um, there's some, there's some opportunity there. But like with Patrick Hornquist mm-hmm. being traded, um, he's a right-handed shot They can use a right-handed winger on the third or fourth line And uh, he's going to definitely have an opportunity to be that guy I mean, he got in a playoff game And most of the young guys didn't get in a playoff game So he's he's ahead of that ahead of that group
0: Not only that great local story Because Lafferty's from Hollidaysburg So, I mean, that, yeah, totally. that's that's a great local story uh, When they traded Matt Murray to the Sens They got Johnny Gruden uh, You know, young guy, obviously Does he fit how they want to play? It seems like he does
1: yeah, you know what? He sort of strikes me as as like what passes for it's the modern definition of grit, which isn't you know fighting and and right. and big open ice hits, but it's being willing to take punishment to get to the net. And that's that strikes me as the kind of guy he is. Like he's not known as a, as a, like an incredible skater or anything, but a pretty good skater. But he scored thirty goals in the Ontario League by playing in a straight line and going to where the goals are scored. So, you know, my read on him is that he's not a prospect who's like a guaranteed hit, you know, he's not mm-hmm. a can't miss kid. Right. Um, but he's got some tools, he does some things well. I think he'll probably be uh, a bottom six guy more than a, in a than a, you know, a consistent scoring threat. Um, but he's got a lot of the right attributes and, you know, when you're when you're you, that, that he's exactly the kind of prospect you're looking for in a trade like a, a, a Matt Murray trade where you're like You know, ideally you want to get a first-round pick. Okay, you can't get a first-round pick because there's a glut of goalies. There really is a glut of goalies this offseason. There's a ton of them available. So you say, all right, how about a second and a prospect instead? And he fits that mold of, like, a pretty good prospect. You know, if things break right, he could be a really good player for you, but no guarantees.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, In fact, speaking of which, Henrik Lundqvist signed with the uh, Capitals today. So...
1: Yeah, Braden Holtby going to Vancouver. Yeah, um, Mark Andre Fleury maybe on the move. There's lots of goalies, you know, big name goalies that could be moving today.
0: And speaking of which, uh, with with this in the second round, they took Joel Blumquist uh, with fit. That was their first pick. It was in the second round, 52nd overall. What was the read on him?
1: Yeah, and. Um, they, not to jump the gun on maybe your next question, but they took another goalie with the third pick, too. That's right,
0: yes. Go ahead. Let's yeah. just get them both in there.
1: Klang is a Swedish kid named Klang. Klang is a yeah. great name for a goalie, isn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Klang. Off <laughs> <laughs> right off the post, you know.
1: Yeah, it's a goalie's favorite sound. I
0: mean, he was it's in a, Sweden's second-highest-ranked league, so, I mean, obviously right. he played well.
1: Yeah, good prospects, And then uh, Blomqvist, the Finnish kid. Basically, the way that works is like your organization. You always need to have some goalies, some young goalies in the pipeline. Like you, you really can't go more than a year without drafting a goalie, just because you know a lot of them wash out, and you you just need to have that constant flow coming. You get a kid that comes, you know, you draft him at eighteen, he turns pro at twenty, he comes in to your system, plays for your American League team, maybe your East Coast League team. You got to keep him going. So they needed that. Was you know getting a little. They trade away so many draft picks to try to win cups sure. that, that you get, you know, you get barren in, in some spots. So they got to get some goal. They had to get a goalie. They ended up getting two goalies. But the the Blumquist kid, I mean, you know, he actually played at 18. He played a couple of games because of injuries already this year in the Finnish top league. Um, and it's rare for someone that young to do that, and he did really well with it. So he's he's advanced for his age. Did all the the... His scouting report is sort of like the the modern NHL goalie, which is that wh- what you're valued for is not like your your acrobatics, um, like you know, like Mark Andre Fleury style or, or Dominic Hasek style or something like that. What 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 goalies are trained to do now is read the play. So the the, the way you make the save is by being ahead of the play, anticipating. Now, actually, that's what Murray was so great at in 2016 and 2017. He looked like he knew what was coming before the shooters did. That's right. Oh. Goalies try to—they strive for that now. And apparently, this Bloomquist kid—that's like the strength of his game—is that he's, you know, a calm guy, got a good glove, and um, reads the play really well. Hockey IQ. Hockey IQ is a phrase that people have used for a long time. Yeah. Now, I'm not—it's kind of empty, really. I mean, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> but you know, I do You he, he, he never hear a player saying he has a low hockey IQ. You, do, you hear that occasionally.
0: Okay. It's not a compliment, okay. Or, or, it's, or it's, they don't mention it. If they don't right, mention yeah. it, <laughs> not telling, you know, to me, it, it's always like there's certain guys, Jonathan, for example, great athlete. But uh-huh. like they're great. They can do a lot of things. Great athlete. So it's a great athlete trying to play a sport. Then there are some people that just, like, it's their thing. I mean that they, they, they can play. I'll, I'll give you a great example. I've always said Danny Ainge, great athlete who played for the Celtics. I mean, he played for the Blue Jays uh-huh. in baseball. Uh-huh. He played. For, Larry Burr was a basketball player. Yeah, right. To me, there are certain guys that are great athletes playing hockey, and there are some people that guess what? Right? like like the, they are—they're just hockey players. Like they know how to play the game, and they get an extra stride or two because they know how to play. So that's how I look at it.
1: Yeah, and. You know what that reminds me of is when, uh, this was after the 09 Cup, um, the Pirate, the Penguins went to the Pirate game to show, you know, celebrate with the Stanley Cup and everything. Yeah. And, uh, Sidney Crosby took batting practice and hit one into the right field bleachers. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. But he could probably, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he could do anything if, he, I mean, yeah. If you made him, you made him a running back. He'd be good at that. Yeah, game. I know. Some guys are like that.
0: Yeah. And he is like that. my goodness. <laughs> All right. Uh, they really went heavy. Now, obviously, they went either junior or foreign here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do the Penguins feel about the college game?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they, they seem to... Well, like, their sixth-round pick is a kid. Yeah, Chase Yoder. From the, yeah, Yoder. He's going to Providence. Yeah. He's uh, from the development team program. They, they seem to... In the the Ray Shiro era, they were real strong on college kids. The way the Penguins... They definitely... Value the college game, and here's why: um, when, you, like we said before, they trade away all your draft picks. Yeah. So you know, to, to try to win now, one of the areas you have to hit then is undrafted college free agents. Yeah. Like that's that's one of their biggest areas where they try to get guys. So the example I use is Zach Aston-Reese, who was yeah. a stud at North, Northeastern, mm-hmm. and um, like he, he by the time you know he at eighteen he wasn't much of a prospect. But at twenty three, by the time he had, you know, scored thirty goals, I think, in at Northeastern, um, he was already he was one of the top players in college hockey. So then you'd move on to men. So that, to me that that's the that's the avenue they pursue college kids generally, is is the the guys that are undrafted free agents, 23, 24 years old. You know, Connor Sherry was that kind of a guy. Yeah. Casey De, Casey DeSmith's gonna be their backup goalie. He was yeah. one of those guys All at right. New Hampshire. So that's sort of how they approach the college game.
0: All right, so what are the penguins out to do now between between now and camp like a move that they really need to somehow make, you know, them deeper, better. What what move is that? What spot?
1: Well, third line center is an interesting spot where they could try to find like a veteran who's Yeah. um, you know, who's cheap because Jared McCann um, is in that spot, and he's a young guy, and he's not that bad. And, you know, he's got some, some potential, 20, 24 years old. Yeah. But they also like him as a winger. So if they could move him over to the wing and find a guy who could play that third line. Um, and win faceoffs. they would like that. Um, Right-side defense, they could maybe look for somebody, because Justin Schultz is going to walk in free agency. So they they like their top on the right side, because it's Chris Letang and John Marino. John Marino is another example of the way they've got college kids in. They got him from Edmonton for a sixth-round pick, because Edmonton wasn't going to sign him. He's a Harvard kid. Um, But they love the top on the right side, the bottom on the right side is a little weaker. Those are the two areas. But the thing... The, the the sort of you know big headline rumors that people are talking about is the possibility of get, of getting Flurry back. Um, Vegas has to move Flurry. That's right because of because of their cap situation. Right. So they're willing to eat half the salary. So could the Penguins fit in three and a half million for a, a backup goaltender? Uh, maybe it would be kind of tight to the salary cap, but that reunion would be something that would obviously make a lot of headlines. I mean, Flurry is absolutely beloved in this town. Yes, he is, um, and they could use some goaltending depth. So I don't know if that's the best way to use up all your available cap space, um, but it would certainly be a feel-good type of move. And and you know, the one thing that Jim Rutherford talks about is how he feels like that, that there's been a little something missing from the locker room the last couple of years with the quick playoff exits. That, that you know, maybe there wasn't that fire that was there in the years before that, and Flurry's that. I mean, he's got that personality, and he's you know, everybody loves him, and he's he's uh, you know, he, he brings a lot of that element off the ice. So I'm not ruling it out. I wouldn't say it's a crazy idea. I don't think I'd bet on it, um, but it's out there, and it's it's you know, it's a possibility.
0: It was great talking to you about hockey at this time of the year. We're actually, we actually would have been talking about
1: it anyway because of being camp. <laughs> right, yeah. A, a totally different part of the hockey season, but yes. the hockey season nonetheless.
0: nonetheless. Jonathan, yeah. thanks so much. Appreciate it. Great work as always.
1: Yeah, good, good to talk to you, Steve.
0: You- Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, here it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I mean, do we have to send security with him to Jersey Shore? I mean, I know there's a really, really nice people up there. And my concern mostly is the chief because I just don't want any collateral damage.
3: Yeah, the chief will be fine. He can handle himself in him.
0: But what about security? Should we send Mark Lawrence up there? <laughs> what?
3: I think you may want to go with different personnel there.
0: I... It's just a me Somebody rips a football program, a town.
3: He also had the audacity to ask when the Eagles announce that they're going to have fans back. Will they actually have fans back? He's not wrong, but still.
0: Does Geisinger do procedures where people actually have the foot removed from their mouth?
3: (laughs) That's a good question.
0: Just asking for a friend.
3: I'll get Dr. Rue on the line.
0: Because this isn't a figurative expression. <laughs> Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kier, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com and news Radio 1070 WKOK.